Welcome to the Anchor Lincoln Weekly Podcast. This week, Pastor Matthew shares a special Easter message titled, Disrupt Your Direction. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. just go home uh, and, and, and just, you know, pass out and, and eat a lot of food. Uh, what a powerful moment. Uh, Jasmine, Mary, come on. Tyler, come on. Like, guys, people are, people are finding Jesus here. People are finding new life here. This is the place to be. And so I'm just thankful to have you guys all here with us. I know for some of us, it's your first time here. Welcome. Uh, again, my name is Matthew. I'm the pastor here. We've had a, we've had a jam-packed, uh, we've had a jam-packed uh, weekend. Good Friday, if you were here, um, was a great time where one of our board members, Joseph, brought the word. And then yesterday we had that Easter egg hunt that was lit. Listen, um, all the all the little girls were getting uh, crosses tattooed right there, and I felt like I was at a Twenty One Savage concert. Like for, you know, you know. Listen, I was like, you guys don't even know. You guys don't even know. Um, but I only listen to Lecrae. Um, Anyways, uh, I got a question for you this morning. When was the last time your breath was taken away? When was the last time your breath was taken away? Maybe it was when you were walking in today and you noticed all those boxes of Krispy Kreme. You said, God, he's with me. He's never leave me nor forsake me. When was the last time your breath was taken away? Maybe it was when you first saw your significant other. Or you're like the gentleman last night, Kate and I were at a wedding, the groom, he was getting so emotional. You could see that that his breath was slowly being taken from him as he noticed Kate and I in attendance. Um, We we honestly have never met the guy. We were there for the bride. Uh, It was when his bride was coming down the aisle. You could see the tears welling up. His breath was taken from him. Maybe for you, it was something tragic. Horrible news, your breath was taken from you. Listen, when our breath is taken from us, it marks something. Our breath marks something. It marks experiences. It communicates something to us. That fast breathing when you're physically exerting yourself because you're walking too fast. Some of you exercise and you're like, man, that's it? It's when you breathe out that sigh when your friend starts talking too loud about his political views in public. (sighs) Still your friend? Okay. God called me to it. It's that fast breathing. It's that slow breathing. It's all communicating something to us. And when we lose our breath, it's communicating a disruption. It's communicating a disruption in our direction. We are treading one way And our breath is taken and we move. It could be a few degrees or it could be a total 180 in another direction. A few months ago in November, I came home from a a pastor's conference and uh, got home Saturday morning, was so excited to be with the family. We did our family stuff and then I was ready. I was tired, tuckered out to plop on that couch and watch like, I don't know, Love is Blind or something. Um, Listen, I watched The Chosen too. Don't you judge me, okay? I pray before and after, all right? 
And uh, I plop on the couch, getting ready to relax, and something plops next to me. I know. It was a positive pregnancy test. <laughs> it was a third. It was our third. And <laughs> I said, Lord, I th- I, we, we stopped at two. We were happy with two, and you blessed us with a third. It's a girl, so everything's okay. If you don't know, we've got two boys, and we're like, ah, we can't do it again. But we can't do it again. (laughs) It's a girl. God is so good. She's going to be so cute. Get everything she ever wanted. Uh, Go into debt for her. God, till the creditors come, and then we're fleeing. It's fine. Oh, it's so good. My breath was taken from me, and it changed our trajectory. It changed the the direction that we're heading in. When was the last time your breath was taken from you. You know, all throughout Scripture, we see stuff like this happening. In Genesis, we see God breathing breath into humanity's nostrils and giving them breath. And then from Genesis to Revelation, we see time and time again, God taking people's breath, disrupting their direction and sending them in new uncharted territory, into new ways of life, changing what they had thought. They thought they were going to just be a shepherd. No, God had bigger plans. You thought you were just going to hang around and do nothing? No, Gideon, you're going to war. God, time and time again, has changed plans and disrupted people's direction. And I think one of the most beautiful examples of that in Scripture is in Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, we first see her in Luke in chapter 8, and this is what we read. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Seven. One, two, three. Three, four, five, six, seven. That's a lot of demons. Like in the business, we call that a lot of demons. Now, some of you can conceptualize the demonic. You can conceptualize the spiritual realm. You can conceptualize it. You've experienced the supernatural. But I understand it's Easter. And some of us are here because our our parents drug us here. Here we are. And so it's a little more far-fetched. You're like, yeah, the demons. I don't know about that one, bro. I don't know about that one. But I imagine you do. I imagine you do. Scripture tells us that there are four four tools that the enemy uses. Enemy is is short-term or shorthand for Satan and his cronies. And uh, they use accusation, deception, condemnation, and they use... Temptation, thank you very much. Temptation, accusation, temptation, deception, accusion, accusion, accusation. Lord, this is my second gathering. I'm used to preaching one. Come on. Umbrella of mercy. He uses these tools against us. So I imagine you understand a little bit of what she was going through. This was more, of course, this was more than just some psychological warfare going on in her life for sure. But there is no doubt in my mind that at the very bottom of it, the base tools were being used. And we all feel the sting of those tools, don't we? You felt the sting of accusation. You felt the sting of deception when you were operating one way and you found out years later you've been deceived the whole time. You understand what it's like to be accused or condemned. That inner voice, that nagging voice that says you are unlovable. 
You are broken, more broken than anybody else. Go ahead, look in that mirror, see what happens. It'll tell you the truth. You understand those feelings, those tools. And so that's baseline, baseline what Mary Magdalene must have been feeling. It's the broken parts of normal life. It's the broken parts. And it's hard to imagine ourselves, honestly, without them. It's just part of life, those negative normals. And Jesus enters the scene and with a, with a word, frees her, frees her of the demonic, disrupts the direction of darkness she was heading in. And for the first time, she's able to look in the mirror and see Mary. See, before that, she had to filter it through seven layers of darkness. What are you doing? You're unlovable. No one's ever going to give you the time of day. What do you think you're doing? You might as well go end it. You're worthless. But for the first time in years, she was able to see herself as she truly is. Jesus took her breath away and changed everything. See, that's what happens when our breath is taken from us, is it sends us off on a new, a new direction. For Kate and I, it's a, you know, listen, we got a third. We got to paint the room pink and get it ready. We're going like, to do the whole thing. It's changing our direction financially. It's changing our perspective on the ways we orient our lives. Now, sometimes the change is small. We hear a story and it changes our perspective a few degrees on a certain issue. But for Mary, it's as big as it gets. It changed her whole life, complete 180. She began to follow Jesus, devote herself to Jesus, learn from Jesus as one of her disciples. She would follow him as he did ministry with the masses. He would follow him as he was teaching to the religious elite in the public about the kingdom of God. She would follow him as he served the poor, the needy, as he placed his hands on the lepers. She would follow him as he cleansed those who were demonic, uh, demonically oppressed, possessed, I can only imagine what that felt like for her to see that happening, knowing that she had once been there too, thinking that's all there was. But Jesus, time and time again, disrupted people's direction. And she followed Jesus when others wouldn't. She followed Jesus after the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus' is 12, his closest All fled, all dipped, even Peter. Yeah, Peter, the Peter who said, I will die for you, Jesus. The Peter who took a sword out and cut a dude's ear off in the garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus said, we're not going to do it like that. Put that away. The Peter who said, I will never leave you, denied him three times when asked by a young lady. Hey, don't you follow Jesus? No, I don't follow Jesus. Three times, big bad Peter fell. John, the self-proclaimed disciple that Jesus loved most. Where are you at, John? Nowhere to be found. But what we see is Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus and Salome, they're off at a distance watching as Jesus is being hung on that cross. She never fled. She watched as Jesus was hung on that cross as the nails went in. She watched as he cried out to God the Father. She watched as Jesus breathed his last breath. She watched as the Roman soldier thrusted a spear into his side to make sure the matter was done with. She watched it all. Mary Magdalene. 
I'm sure her breath was taken away. But the show must go on. Life must go on. You see it in Peter and the disciples. Peter's like, hey, guys, let's go fishing. What else are we going to do? Let's get the boat. Let's go fish. Let's get back to normal. Mary, Mary Magdalene, Salome did what was normal of women after someone died, one of their loved ones. They went and they got spices to anoint his dead body with. And this is what we read in Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? We're told that there were guards out front of the tomb and other accounts So we got this big, heavy stone, these guards, and they're trying to figure out, well, how are we going to get these spices? But I also wonder what else they were thinking in that moment. What was Mary Magdalene thinking? All my life. I I gave him all my life. I gave him everything. Now he's gone. What's the direction I'm heading in now? Because I don't have a leader anymore. I don't have a teacher anymore to show me the way. Are they going to come back? What's going to happen? And as they're walking up to the tomb, we read, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Jesus was supposed to be dead. They knew that. Mary, they had the technology to know when someone died. He's not breathing anymore. They knew what to expect. The direction they were heading in was obvious. It was normal of reality for Jesus to be dead. They watched him breathe his last. But when they pull up on the scene, they see the stone had been rolled away. And an angel was greeting them saying, greeting them saying, he is risen. He's not here anymore. Jesus had done what he said he would do. He conquered death doubt in the grave. He conquered it all. To which they responded, as most people do when they're confronted with an angelic being, in fear and trembling. What? What? What, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you mean? So she's sitting here in fear, and Mark would end it here. Mark would end it here for reasons uh, to be determined when we go to eternity. But John would pick up on the scene and play the rest of it out. John would say that a gardener, at least Mary thought so, was walking up about that time. And she would ask him, hey, what did you do with his body? Where did you put it so I can find it? Show me where my Lord is laid. And this is what we read. Jesus said to her, Mary. Mary. 
Can you imagine that moment? Mary. Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. She was confronted with Jesus. Breathless, I imagine. You were supposed to be dead. You've risen. You've risen, and here you are right before me. And he would go on to tell her to do the things the angel said, hey, go out and tell the people. And that breathlessness would function as the wind in her sail propelling her forward to share the gospel, the message that would change millions upon millions of lives. This is what we read in verse 18. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. Her direction was disrupted as she lost her breath. And in turn, she gained a boldness that would be passed on from Christians from generation to generation. We read an account of the early church in Acts 4. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. It is the source of power and transformation in a world of the negative normal. First Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Amen. It's easy to think of the church or Christians as rigid traditionalists or rule enthusiasts or as I thought of them early on, prudes. You guys are lame. But while some of that might be true, of some, of some, the best way to understand the church is that the church is a community of people who have lost their breath to Jesus. Just like Mary, we've been confronted with Jesus and he has said our name. He has freed us from darkness. He has given us purpose. He has given us hope and he's given us his presence. We see this time and time again throughout history. We see it in John Newton. John Newton was a slave trader. John Newton was a captain of multiple slave ships. John Newton didn't know Jesus until he encountered Jesus. And Jesus took his breath away. He would trade in the slave ships for pastoral ministry and would become a prominent abolitionist, would advocate for the slaves. He was once a slave trader, but he would consider himself a servant to the slaves in his later years. He advocated for the abolition of of, of the slave trade, for the destruction of this sinful thing. He's also the one who penned Amazing Grace, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did the grace appear the hour I first believed. Jesus had taken his breath away and changed his trajectory. It's women like Sojourner Truth, the object of abuse and cruelty of slavery. Sojourner Truth, she was born into slavery as Isabella until Jesus began to call her to flee. And she fled, she ran, but became so overwhelmed with the prospect of running that she wanted to turn back. But then Jesus appeared to her and said, keep going. 
And so she kept going, running into freedom. And she was so changed as she became freed by Jesus. So uh, her breath was so lost on Jesus that she changed her name to Sojourner Truth and became the prominent figure in the abolitionist, uh, abolitionist movement and the women's rights movement. Jesus had changed her trajectory. Jesus had changed her direction. It's people like Dorothy Day, a, a journalist who is a, 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 an atheist and a Marxist who came to faith, who was introduced to Jesus and gave Jesus her life. Jesus took her breath away. It's people like Chuck Colson, a practiced uh, politician who is Nixon's hatchet man, who was arrested for crimes he committed in the Watergate scandal who found Jesus through someone reading a bit of mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And he lost his breath and began to minister in the prisons and proclaim the goodness of God. It's people like Mary. It's people like Tyler. It's people like me who didn't grow up in the church, who had a horrible opinion of the church, who had a dream one day that I went to hell. We could talk about it later having zero framework for who this God was, who began to hear about Jesus through the faithfulness of others, namely one 40-plus-year-old guy who would pull up in his van at the high school and he would bring pizza and invite us all to lunch. And I, I dodged him so much because mom told me about his type of people. He told me I, I shouldn't get in the van. So I never did until he told me about Jesus. <laughs> Then that little Caesars tasted so good. But he had me read John. And it was when I was reading John that I encountered Jesus for the first time. And he took my breath away as I saw him giving a new way of life, a new sense of hope, a new sense of direction, a new sense of identity, one that I never thought I could grasp. He's in the business of changing our trajectory. And this morning, he wants to change yours. You're confronted now with the resurrection message. You're confronted with the message that Mary Magdalene, the once possessed by demons, the now possessed by Christ, shared with the disciples that would be shared with millions upon millions of people. You're confronted now with the truth of the gospel that there is a God who would not count, there is Jesus who would not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but would humble himself as a servant to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that you might gain access to life and life everlasting. You're confronted now with the message that changes everything. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to let him take your breath away? Are you going to trust that his way is higher? His way is better? That the rumors are true? That he leads us into hope? He speaks a new identity over us? He gives us access to life and life abundantly? Are you going to believe the rumors? Started with Mary. That he sees you. He sees you in the midst of your shame and your sorrow. He sees you in all of your brokenness. He knows what you've been through. He knows your suffering and he wants to come alongside you. That there is a God who loves you so much that he wants to come alongside you in the midst of your suffering. Yeah, he knows how broken you are. He knows what you looked at last night. He knows how you talk to your parents or talk to your spouse. 
He's gonna change that, but he's also gonna change the way you see yourself. He's gonna change the, the, the spirit that's at work in you. No longer a spirit of condemnation, but one of truth. He's gonna change everything. And you have the opportunity this moment, this very moment to step into that. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have us all stand up and it's Easter, so we do things a little different. We don't usually do this, but I'm gonna ask you, uh, we're all gonna pray here in a moment. I'm gonna have us all bow our heads. And if you wanna step into life, if you wanna, you don't have to have it all figured out. Listen, you don't have to have it all figured out. God doesn't need you to have it all figured out to begin his work in you. And so what I'm gonna have you do is I'm gonna have you bow your heads and if at any moment in this prayer, you wanna receive Christ as Lord and Savior, you wanna receive him, you wanna respond to the one who speaks your first name in love, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. And so let's pray, God, we love you. We bless you. We thank you for the work that you are doing in and through this community. We thank you for the people who have found faith, the people who have found you, Jesus, and have changed their trajectory, that you've changed their trajectory. God, we thank you. We thank you that you have disrupted our direction and that you are leading us into a new way of life. And so, God, even right now, would you work in the hearts of those who are feeling like they're not good enough? They're too broken to be loved by a God like you? And would you give them the confidence even now to raise their hand? To raise their hand and to receive you? To raise their hand and to receive the life that you have for them? To raise their hand and to see that you are at work in their life and you do see them in the midst of their suffering? To raise their hand and say yes to a new way of life? Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable at first, but you've put people around them who will love them and walk with them? God, would you begin to showcase to them how loved they are by you? Would they experience your love even right now, God? God, I thank you for the people who are raising their hands right now. God, I thank you that you see them. God, that you're smiling over them. God, that you are about to change generations. God, we thank you for the work that you are doing right now. Lord, we bless you. We magnify your name, Jesus. And we just pray for confidence for those who are raising their hands right now. Listen, I see you, but be seen. I would love to see you in the back after this. We have a team who will pray for you and walk with you in these next steps. So God, we bless you. We love you. And we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen.